All right, hey, let's go ahead and get started. Let me open us in prayer. Uh, last week, uh, if you if you have the handout, if you weren't here last week, last week I started talking about uh, how to get ready for God to use you. That's kind of been a theme I've I've been sharing all year. Uh, at least this year is getting ready as a man uh, for God uh, to be used. And uh, so last week we looked at a couple of areas in our lives. Really, we're looking at five. Uh, if you'll notice on the insert, if you missed last week, number one was uh, if you're going to be used by God, you've got to purify your heart. We're going to pick up with number two, three, four, and five uh, tonight. But let me open this uh, or a little bit later. Let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be with these guys and hang out. Thank you for... Uh, the process we've been through as a church and the faithfulness of your people to step up, uh, at least through last week as I knew, and uh, just um, uh, God, as, as more cards were coming in and are still coming in, um, just uh, as we meet with the stewardship team uh, Wednesday night, we pray for good news, we pray for your blessings, we pray for courage and uh, just uh, good faith, and uh, thank you for these guys in here who have already committed and already given, and uh, some who... Um, who are still bringing cards in. That was a blessing even to see more come in yesterday. And, God, we know this, that whatever whatever you have for us, um, I sense on Wednesday night and through Sunday, uh, we'll know. And we'll be able to celebrate that uh, in, uh, in your way and with your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, all right. Uh, Sunday, we will. Uh, it's kind of a, a celebration Sunday. We will celebrate. Someone mentioned over here, Lewis, uh, that we'll celebrate our seniors. Uh, I believe at last count, we'll have about 59. Is that what you remember, Justin? About 59 of our high school graduating seniors on stage. A big group, great group. If you, uh, if you have a senior... Uh, make sure they get connected with us so we can honor them on the stage in both services on Sunday morning. Uh, and so we'll celebrate them. Uh, we will also celebrate uh, there are those uh, who have been running another anniversary stride kick run, uh, our walking steps. So we will honor those 10 people, uh, the top 10, not, not the previous uh, winners, but we'll honor another top 10. And then we will announce the numbers and um, uh, and then we'll celebrate what God's doing. If there needs to be a plan B, that will be the plan B uh, at that point. Uh, but up to this point, there is no plan B. And uh, so there is only plan A, uh, which I believe is God's plan that we're... Uh, we're going to be okay with. Uh, so anyway, uh, here's the second thought. First thought was purify uh, your heart. If you are going to be used by God, you have to purify your heart. We talked about that last week. Even gave you some prayers that are, that are there that you can pray. Here's the second idea. If you're going to be used by God, you have to be willing to sanctify your body. Write that down. Sanctify uh, your body. That word sanctify means, if you want to write this all to the side somewhere, means to dedicate something for a special purpose. To dedicate something for a special purpose. In other words, we need to say, I need to say, uh, you need to say, God, use my body for your purpose. I want to dedicate my body uh, to you. And that word, that body, it, it, God wants to use your body. Uh, he doesn't just want to use your mind. He, he wants to use your body. Your, physically, uh, your physical body needs to be utilized by him. The man God uses, the body God uses, the person God uses. Uh, we had conversations with Bo again. I've told you uh, that, um, uh, that we have now entered into agreement. Uh, I told you, I think, earlier in the year we entered into an agreement with Southwestern Seminary that we're going to start in the fall uh, teaching uh, two hours worth of classes on Sunday night that someone can actually come here 
and get taught theology and church history and stuff like that and receive up to 15 hours of seminary credit uh, for coming here. Let me tell you, you want to know the cost of it? It's going to be $100 a semester. You will not beat that anywhere else. Uh, so you play $100 in the fall semester, $100 in the spring semester. You will get credit for 15 hours should you want to go pursue a, um, a seminary degree, 15 hours of seminary credit for 200 bucks. Uh, fall and spring, but part of that is uh, to make sure, and and it's part of their call and part of our desire. Um, oh, and and let me let me add to that. This is the part you didn't hear. We've added a second seminary uh, that has joined us, Southeastern Seminary, and uh, Southeastern Seminary is uh, up in uh, Wake Forest area, uh, and they have signed on. Once they saw our curriculum, what we're going to teach, they're willing to offer up to 18 hours worth of seminary credit. So if we can get these seminaries in a bidding war, uh, that's uh, that's really uh, what I hope to do. I'm willing to play play them against each other. Uh, we started with the local one. Now we'll go back to the local one. Said, hey. Uh, in Wake Forest, they could go totally online, get their Master of Divinity online. Uh, do you want to up your bid? And so hopefully we'll end up with four or five seminaries at the end of the time who, have, who appreciate what we're doing and training you. But part of the process is not just sitting in a class. For you to get that credit, you have to have an ongoing weekly ministry. You have to have an ongoing weekly ministry. And what, what, what does that mean? That, that doesn't mean that you have to be the preacher. But if you're a life group teacher, life group director, if you uh, work at a welcome center, if you work a parking lot, if, if you're involved in a youth home group, if you work and serve in the children's ministry, anywhere you have an ongoing ministry. Because uh, we always have to remember that, that Jesus uh, uh, was all about theology and practice. His ministry was theology and practice. It wasn't just teaching. It was also doing, and so that's part of what uh, the ministry will be. This uh, the seminary training that we're going to do is we want you to, along with uh, going through the classes, uh, that you would also have a ministry. And uh, not everybody's ministry is going to be the same. Yeah. No, it's got to be in the got to be in the church somewhere. And we know we'll have other people outside the church that from different churches that will come. Uh, what we will do is we will want their pastor to tell us that this individual has a uh, has an ongoing weekly ministry within their church as well. And so it won't be open just to our church, but we'll be able to train some of these smaller churches who uh, need training. We'll be able to give it to them right here. And, you know, that's always been our heartbeat is just as we've come along some of these smaller churches and help them revitalize themselves, we want to do that same thing with other ministries that are around us. Uh, but sanctify your body. Use your body. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, notice what Paul says. He says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. I love that idea. Therefore, honor God with our bodies. How do we honor God with our bodies? Well, uh, let me give you a, a couple of thoughts. But first of all, uh, look at Psalm 119, verse 73. It says, your hands made me and formed me, God. Give me understanding to learn your commands. We want to understand it. 
that God made our bodies. God created us for him. He's got a purpose for our bodies, that he purchased our bodies with a price. Therefore, we want to purify our bodies. Obviously, when we think about purifying our bodies, uh, we think about uh, fleeing sexual immorality, making sure that, that we use our body as an instrument of righteousness and never of unrighteousness. But let me give you a couple of practical thoughts to help you purify your body. Now, uh, that I'm not going to take the idea of the body and make it some, um, you know, some phantom idea of body. I'm talking about our physical body. When Paul is talking and he uses the word body, every time the word body is used here, we know there's a body of Christ, right? We know there's a local church and there's a universal church. There's a body of Christ that you really can't touch or feel or see other than the individuals. But the word that Paul uses here, body, it always speaks to flesh, our fleshly body. And so these principles I'm going to share with you, if we're going to purify uh, our fleshly bodies, these principles, has, has, these principles have to do with our fleshly bodies. So let me give you a couple of thoughts. Notice what um, practical questions about uh, purifying your body. That really should be sanctifying your body, to sanctify your body. If you want to mark through that, I miswrote that. Um, here's what Third John uh, 2 says. Dear friends, this is John praying. I pray that you may enjoy good health. And that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. So notice those two things, that that balance. John says, I pray for good health, and I pray for your spiritual growth. And those two go hand in hand, that we want to do everything we can to stay as healthy as we can, and we also want to be, do everything we can to be as spiritually healthy as we can. Those things go hand in hand. There's always the reality when we live in a sin-filled world that, uh, uh, that there are things that are going to strike our physical bodies that we don't understand. Uh, there, are, uh, there are people who uh, all of a sudden come down with an illness. Uh, come down with cancer or something like that, or uh, even even more more difficult dreaded diseases of, and we've got some in our church right now. ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Why does that happen? It's it's not catching. It just happens. Uh, there are certain things that we don't know why they happen. Just physically, they happen. However, uh, most uh, many of our health problems we brought on ourselves. Uh, and I think the more and more we eat of the processed foods in the coming generations, it's going to be that much more difficult. And so the more we can be healthy uh, in our physical bodies, the better off we're going to be. So let me give you a couple of, couple of thoughts. Uh, these are questions. Do you get enough rest? Do you, do you get enough rest? Uh, the answer for me in the last three months has been no. All right, I, um, uh, I've already told uh, uh, the staff that don't, don't look for me on May the 22nd, which is the day after Celebration Sunday. I'm hopefully going to be in a comatose sleep state to try to recover uh, from some of my lack of sleep. And uh, the reality is we need to get enough rest. Notice what the psalmist said in Psalm 127, uh, verse 2. He says, he says um, in vain you rise early and you stay up late. Toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. If, if, you are, if you are burning the candle at both ends in your body and not getting enough rest, that's not good. That's not healthy. We need to get rest. And so if you're going to be used by God, and, and I will tell you, there are a lot of people that I, I sense uh, don't serve at the church because they're exhausted. 
They don't, there are a lot of people these days that don't come to church because they're tired on Sunday morning. And, uh, and, and the truth is we need to get enough rest. We need to make sure that we give our bodies the rest that they need. And so hopefully that you do. Here, here's another question. Uh, do you eat well? Do you eat well? Uh, after just talking about Bain's uh, bacon over there. Do, do, but do you typically eat well? And, and hopefully you do. Hopefully you take care of your physical bodies. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13 says, Food is for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord and the Lord for your body. Notice the idea is, is that food was meant for the stomach and stomach was meant for the food. But we always have to watch what we eat. We have to make sure uh, that we eat well. As best we can, we want to eat well. That doesn't mean that there's not, uh, not times for us to venture off the path to enjoy a donut or enjoy uh, a sweet or, in my case, enjoy Oreos every time I get to see my mom. Way too many Oreos when I get to see my mom. And uh, ice cream from time to time. Those, those are okay. But you don't want to make that your staple. You don't want to make that what you eat, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We want to make sure we eat well because the healthier we are, the longer we have the ability to serve God. Uh, I remember um, a man, he, he's now passed away. He was well advanced in his age. And uh, the, the, first, uh, the first time, he's, he's a friend of mine, his father. First time I ever met him, uh, I walked in, and he was walking on the treadmill. Uh, and he was an older gentleman. He was an older gentleman. He was walking on the treadmill. Remember those hand grippers? Anybody know those hand grippers? He used to sit there and walk on the treadmill and do those hand grippers. All right, and I was a strapping young guy a number of years ago, and he got off, and he was just sweat pouring off of him, and uh, he went over there and took some vitamins, and he, he always smelled like a vitamin. Anybody ever been around those people that they always smell like vitamins? He always smelled like a vitamin. And uh, I was sitting there talking to him, and, and he handed me those hand grippers. And it was not just me. It was me and two other guys my age. He said, listen, here's what I want you to do. And he had just gotten off the treadmill doing these hand grippers. And he says, here's what I'll do. He says, you all three do as many, many of those as you can with your, with your grip. And he goes, and then I'll, I'll beat all three of y'all combined. And I'm sitting there going, this old man. And so I play, and it wasn't an easy hand gripper. I think, I think I pulled about 93 and the next guy, you know, pulled about 85 and, you know, some, we were all right in that same range. And he just sat there and started talking to us. Just started pumping those hand grippers, man. Uh, he hit over 500 and said, y'all done? I said, yeah, we quit. But I remember a statement. That wasn't the hand gripper. That one, there's the statement he made to me. Here's a statement he made to me that stuck with me. He goes, I don't know how long God is going to leave me here, but I want to be able to serve him as well as I can until the last day I'm here. I want to be able to serve him as well as I can until the last day I'm here. And he's gone on to be with the Lord now. And uh, he's, uh, uh, he's passed on. His name was James Wright. And uh, that, was, that was his whole thing, is I'm going to serve God. And guess what? He serves. and He served until literally a stroke basically took him home within a couple of days. And so I want to encourage you, men, take care of your bodies. Eat well. Here's the third, here's the third question. Uh, do you get enough exercise? Do you get enough exercise? That's why we're doing this stride kick. I think we're now up over 450 people or near 500 people that are on stride kick. Just walk. Do you get enough exercise? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. Paul says, everyone who keep, competes in games goes into strict training. They do, they do it 
to what? Get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. We need to get enough sleep. We need to eat well. And we need exercise. Uh, We need to walk. We need to take care of our bodies. We need to be as physically strong as possible so we can keep serving God as long as possible. I don't know how long the Lord will leave me here, but my desire is uh, that uh, that the last sermon I preach for you, you will say, you know, he had a little vim and vigor still left in him. I don't even know what vim and vigor is. I just know that my mom uses that phrase all the time. What is vim? I know what, I, I don't even, I know what vigor is, I think. What's vim? Anybody know? Has anybody heard that phrase? Okay, you're like me, and you just have never thought. Somebody Google that. I want to know what vim is, but I, I, I don't. Do you know what it is, Justin? I've heard something vinegar before, but I don't know about that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. But anyway, man, do you get enough exercise? Guys, be honest. Who gets enough exercise? Okay. All right, that's, that's a couple of us. All right, let's get exercise. Let's serve God well. All right, here's, here's the next uh, question. Ready? Do you have a good attitude? Do you have a good attitude? I want to sleep well. I want to eat well. I want to exercise well. And I want to make sure my brain is right and my attitude is right. Yeah, Shane? Energy and enthusiasm. There you go. That's what that means. Vim and vigor. Energy and enthusiasm. We want energy and enthusiasm. I'm going to start saying that because no one knows what vim and vigor means. All right. So energy and enthusiasm. We need energy. If we're going to serve the Lord, we need some energy and enthusiasm. And I absolutely uh, think that's right. Uh, how many people, man, they, they give everything they can to the office and to work and to labor, and then they come to church, ah, golly, I've been asked to do this. Somebody asked me to pass out creek guides. Don't they know how tired I am? I'm like, really? Really? Come on, let's serve. Oh, man, they want me to serve in the children's ministry. Now, I understand that. All right, you better have your vim and vigor in, on than that. You better have, you have, better have a monster drink and vim and vigor. All right. We want to have our bodies ready to be used by God. Here, here's, the th- here's the third thing. If you're going to be used by God, simplify your life. Write that down. Simplify your life. If you're going to be used by God, we can't have a totally complicated life. We can't have a difficult life. I, and, and I will tell you more and more, and I, I sensed it a little uh, in my life, I think probably years ago, and I will tell you, this is a totally unscientific thought I'm about to throw out, okay? This is a totally unscientific thought. Uh, I've not done the research on this, but when we think about simplifying our lives, I think probably a generation ago, if if you looked at the power structure and the power percentage of um, in the household, I think you probably had a generation and a half, generation two, you had 90% of the power in the family would rest in mom and dad. And maybe 10% influence came from the kids. Maybe just a few years ago, rolling through the 70s and 80s or something, that may have been 60% rest in the hands of mom and dad and 40% of the kids because we've started... I'll submit to you a lot of what I see these days, 70% of the power is in the kids' hands. And the parents get to usurp their authority from time to time when, when the kid's willing to relate. And, and the point is, I, I, how, do, how do I see that? 
I look around and I look what parents are involved in. And it's like whatever the kid does, that's what the family has to do. Now, sometimes the parents make the choice to put their kids into it. So maybe it's more of a 50-50. But the truth is we've got, if we're going to serve God, we've got to simplify our lives. We've got to simplify our lives so we can have space and a place to serve God in ministry and work and in church and be on mission together. And so simplify your life. Uh, Simplify your life. Yeah, give God a hand. There we go. All right. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He says, since we, talking about simplifying our life, he says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, here's simplifying your life. What does it mean? Throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. How do we do that? We fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, as you look through God's... uh, God's word, it's pretty, pretty clear that God compares our lives to a marathon. We're not in a sprint. We're in a marathon. And, and you don't see a marathoner running with a bunch of excess baggage. You don't see a marathoner running with a lot of extra weight. And that's what you say. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's those who have gone before, those who have served us so faithfully. We're in Hebrews chapter 12. If you want to just do something in your devotion time later, if you want to know who some of those people are in that cloud of witnesses, just go to Hebrews chapter 11. Y'all know Hebrews chapter 11? It's right before Hebrews chapter 12. So if you find Hebrews chapter 12, you're basically there. Just go backwards. And in that list... There are a list of those who have gone before us who are faithful, right? Somebody, if you know, or or turn your Bible over a page, y'all start telling me the names of those people who are in Hebrews chapter 11 that are that cloud of witnesses. They are in that cloud of witnesses that says, watch. Y'all start hollering out those names. Do you have your Bibles open? Start hollering out some of the names. Just just scan it, you know, do uh, do that speed reading thing and just toss out a name. Who? Say it louder. Abraham. Okay, Abram. Abraham. Was Abraham perfect? Okay, tell, tell me another name. Enoch. Okay, he was close. We, we're going to skip by him. He was called up with God, and we, he's one of the guys we really don't hear anything bad about. Noah. Was he perfect? Noah. Yeah, yeah. Somebody tell me, if anybody, some of y'all are shaking your head. Some, tell, me, tell me one of Noah's biggest problems. He got liquored up in front of his boys and laid down on the ground naked. <laughs> so, uh, all right, how many, of you, how many of you think that's a problem? That'd be a problem. I've never done that with my kids, but I might think about that. Let's delete that before that goes online. Uh, who? Samson. Now, that was a pure dude, right? That dude just, he, from, from birth to tomb, he walked with the Lord, right? No. All right, keep going. Abel. Abel, we don't know much other than he brought a great offering. Uh, what else? Isaac. Isaac, he was all over it, wasn't he? I mean, you look at these, nobody in that list, nobody in that list save Abel and Enoch, who they're just a little devoted to that list. 
Everybody that we really know something about were flawed people, weren't they? They weren't perfect. And so that's my encouragement to you. When, when, when we think about following Christ, we don't have to be perfect, but we do need to simplify our lives. And what is, how do we do that? Notice what he says. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders us. What hinders you from serving God? What are some things? Y'all, y'all, y'all holler them out. What are some things that hinder us from serving God at a greater capacity? Huh? Pride. Absolutely. Pride. Pride can hinder us because, you know, we, we can think, well, that's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of at the office. I'm here. And I come to church, and I'm going to go work in the children's ministry. I'm going to serve in youth ministry. I'm going to pass out creek guys. I'm going to be a greeter. I'm going to work out in the parking lot. You know, we think pride won't allow us. What's something else that hinders us, keeps us? Huh? Television, TV, just wasting a bunch of time in front of TV. Wasting a bunch of time in front of a TV. What else keeps us from serving God? Huh? Work and finances. Work and finances. Man, if we aren't careful, we can work, 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 work all the time. And finances, man, we can get ourselves in such financial difficulty that, that we can't give, we can't serve, we can't do anything else. What else? Huh? Attitude. A bad attitude. Man, I'll tell you what, a bad attitude. And Justin's here and uh, you know, we're, we're a great place to work and a great place to, to serve. Uh, but if, if you, what, what are you laughing about? Yeah. Uh, while Justin's here, I want to talk about bad attitude. No, he'll, he'll, he'll tell you that, that, that we'll, we'll help you and we'll navigate with you a lot. But the one thing that, that we, we don't put up with much is a bad attitude. Because that is so infectious, man. It's just this immense. It's like pus. I mean, a bad attitude is just nasty. Everybody who sees it gets it on them. And I will tell you, you will have no place in ministry, serving God, if you have a bad attitude. You just you just can't because there's always something going to go wrong. There's always best laid plans of mice and men in ministry. You know, you think, well, the reason why I don't want to go to work serving the children's ministry is because one of those kids is going to poop on me. Guess what? If you go work in the children's ministry, somebody's going to poop on you. Here's the problem. It's when you're in the ministry and adults do it to you. That was a confession. <laughs> and and, and, and I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. There have been times where I've thought, Heck, I could have gotten that from the six-month-old down in the nursery. You know, someone just walks up and they barf on you. And, man, if you want to be used by God, if you want to be used by God, if you want to be salt and light, man, you can't be that way. You've got to have a good attitude. Something else. I, I'll tell you, you mentioned work and finances, and we're actually going to get to those in, a, in another point, but y'all don't go down and fill in the blank. What else? Entertainment. Beer? Beer? Oh, fear. I was about to say, <laughs> all right, well, that's personal confession. I wasn't really running that. Beer, pastor. Beer keeps me from serving God. Fear. Yeah, I, I'll say fear. I, I, if you've heard me tell this story, uh, I have never considered myself, and please, please don't amen this, uh, a good public speaker. I've never done. I, I'm actually, I'm both scared of it. When I first surrendered the ministry for, for several years, I avoided like the plague. Uh, speaking in public. I avoided like the plague speaking in public. And uh, I didn't like it. 
I studied like crazy. I just felt like when I stood up there, I had kind of a a country accent. And if y'all noticed over the years, my English isn't that great. Although I was raised by an English teacher, my mom doesn't claim that part much. I always tell you, she's a school teacher. She says, please don't tell them I'm an English teacher. And uh, I'm I'm married to an English teacher, which makes it that much even worse. And uh, she just shakes her head from time to time. But there are always things that are fearful. Uh, Huh? Yeah, trying to be in control. I want to be in control. That, that keeps me from serving God. That, that, that entangles us. Our schedules, I mentioned a while ago, just the power structure. We can get ourselves so scheduled up and so scheduled out that we can't serve God because we're a slave to our schedule or our kid's schedule or, or this or that. And we've got to make serving God, we've got to simplify our lives if we're going to serve God. So he says, let us throw off everything that hinders us. I want to encourage you to think out to the side of that. Everybody in here, and we probably listed a few of them. We know yours is beer, Steve. Uh, Out to the side, write two or three things that hinders you from serving. And maybe you heard them mentioned in here. Just quickly, I'm going to give you the... What are a couple of things? Tired, too busy, crazy schedule, I'm afraid, attitude... Lack of knowledge. Yeah, lack of knowledge and how to communicate. And that's what we're doing here. And based on that, you're going to love my very last point if we get to it today. Seriously. And and it's the one I want you to leave here with. What are a couple of things that keep you from serving God the way you want to? Okay, simplify your life. Throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Those things that hinder us, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them two different ways. Those things that hinder us, and, and I'm not sure that, that the writer of the book of Hebrews uh, uh, had this in mind, but everything that hinders us, consider those things you put on and you wrap on yourself. The sin that so easily entangles us, consider that the inside the temptations, because there are people in here that are drawn to different temptations, right? Uh, my guess is if we just strung, a, strung across the back, if we, if we just put A to Z potential temptations, all right? A to Z, and you just, you know, I, I, let's say A is, is alcohol. And then, you know, I don't know what B would be, but C, D, some sort of drug. And, you know, C, cocaine, and, and E, what, whatever, something. E, F, G, all the way down. And, and P was pornography. You understand what I A to Z of all the temptations. And my guess is, even me just doing that, you in here, M, money. Temptation is to go after money. Does that make sense? A to Z, my guess is if we all sit here and we looked at that table, we would be drawn to different parts of that table. Not every one of us would go to alcohol. Not every one of us would go to pornography. Not every one of us would go to money. And guess what? There might be a herd of us go to a couple of them. There, there might be... Uh, now, let's be honest. I wouldn't be drawn to any of them. Uh, but... <laughs> Oh, Oreos. All right, I, you know where I'm going to be. Yeah, but you understand what I'm saying? Not everybody has the same sin 
that gets them. Paul in Romans chapter 7 talked about that war that wages in our life, right? He goes, I have this battle going inside me. And I always think, if I'm, if I'm here in my spiritual growth, I used to be here, I'm here. Paul's got to be way up here. I mean, in my mind, Paul is way up here. But in Romans chapter 7, Paul talked about the fact that even in his mature spiritual state, there was a battle waging on inside him, didn't he? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And that word battle, he wasn't talking about a girl fight. He wasn't talking about a slap fest. He was talking about bombings and blood and beatings. And he was talking about people getting carved up. And he was saying, in my heart, there is a battle waging against that which I know I ought to be doing and that which I know I shouldn't be doing. And he goes, and sadly, even in my spiritual state, that which I know I shouldn't be doing, I oftentimes find myself doing. And that which I know I should be doing, he says, too often I don't find myself doing it. And so my encouragement to us, guys, is step back. And realize that we've got to simplify our lives. We can't put things in our lives that make it that much harder because there's always going to be that battle. And the battle is going to draw me to do things I ought not to be doing and not to do the things that I should be doing. My encouragement in here is don't let anything in your past, don't let anything in your past keep you from doing from this point on what God wants you to do. Nothing. Don't let anything anything keep you from doing it but two things can stop you quickly quicker than anything else those things that hinder us those are the things you put on yourself your own desires your own schedules your own this uh, staying exhausted all the time or the sin that comes from the inside that easily entangles us let me give you a couple of thoughts uh, common barriers uh, to being used by god number one distractions Distractions, write that down. Distractions. Man, what's, what distracts you from, from fulfilling your life's purpose? What is a distraction? Huh? Teenagers. Teenage, teenagers, they're a distraction, yeah. Uh, yeah, anything. What, what is, it's different for everybody in here. Some people it's golf, some people it's uh, work, some people it's, you know, this, it's sports, some people it's, you know, whatever it is. What distracts us? What keeps us uh, from not truly being able to serve God, to truly fulfill my life mission uh, for God? Uh, sometimes a distraction is trying to be like someone else. Trying to, trying to be like someone else. Uh, I know when I first um, started preaching, uh, you know, I always tried to figure out which preacher I was, you know, because I'd listened to some good preachers. And I'd, I'd back in, that, in, in those days, I was driving back and forth to the seminary. I was working on my master's degree and then my, my Ph.D. And, and back in those days, we had cassette tapes. And, and I, I had gotten into something where I, I would get a John MacArthur cassette tape mailed to me every week. And when I would drive over to seminary and back, I'd listen to that, listen to that cassette tape. And then I would find myself, if I was teaching, I would kind of try to teach like John. And, and guess what I figured out? I wasn't John. And then I, then I started listening to the radio, and I would hear Chuck Swindoll. Chuck, Chuck Swindoll talk, and he's just right down the road. And I was like, you know, I kind of like the way Chuck talked. Because he, he, John, if you know, how many of you know John MacArthur is? Yeah, he's just not funny at all. 
uh, great Bible teacher, but not a lot of humor in what he does. And then I thought, well, Chuck Swindoll. I like Chuck Swindoll. He, he, he knows how to tell a joke. He can make someone laugh, and he can craft these stories. And, man, I, I would try to be like Chuck Swindoll for a while. And that, that, then, then I, I, would, I would try to be like someone else. And then, you know, I'd be like Jack Graham. And then I'd try to be like Billy Graham. And then I, I, I was like, I realized I'm pretty much worthless. I'm not Chuck Swindoll. I'm not John MacArthur. I'm not Jack Graham. I'm not Billy Graham. I'm, I, I don't know. I said, maybe I'm going to start listening to some women preachers. Maybe I'm one of them. But the truth is, I started just saying, God, you called me this. I'm going to be who I am. I'm not going to pretend I'm smarter than I am. I'm not going to try to talk differently than I normally do. And I really came in my prayers that that when someone comes to see me preach in the pulpit, I want to be the same guy they saw going to the mailbox in my neighborhood. And that's how I'm going to talk to you. And that's why you see me from time to time. I'm preaching, my tongue will get tied, and I'll say things not necessarily the right way because I'm just talking. I study like crazy through the week, and that's why so many of my sermons go too long, and you look at my points, and I'm like point number two, and you're like, there's a whole other backside of the insert. I love studying. My biggest fear is to step into the pulpit unprepared. See, for me, I, I've, come to the, I've come to the conclusion in my ministry in my life that I may well never preach a good sermon, talking about rhetorically. But I can always deliver God's content. And I'm going to do it my way. The way God created me. And so that's what I've stopped being distracted by trying to be someone else. And I've just decided I am who I am. Now I know some of you are sitting there from time to time and you're looking at all. Trust me, I could preach near two hours every Sunday. I've studied enough. It is all I can do. That's why when you come, if you do happen to listen to the 9.30 and the 11 o'clock service, they're usually different because it's just what starts flowing out, this illustration, this thing, because I have determined in my heart that I'm going to step in there, prayed up and prepared, and then we're just going to roll. And I'm going to see what God does. And that's what I'm just... So I want to encourage you, don't try to be someone else. Please don't try to be me. Shoot higher than that. But don't try to be someone else. Some of you, you're trying to be your dad or you're trying to be your mom or you're trying to be some life group teacher or a deacon or your preacher that you grew up. Don't be that person. Be you. Don't get distracted. Satan always wants to distract us with our schedules and different things. So don't get distracted. Uh, Notice what uh, Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service for the kingdom of God. What's he saying? Don't get distracted. Hey, what, what happens? What happens if a guy goes out to plow a field? And all of a sudden, he's kind of walking, he's talking, he's looking around. What do you think is going to be? Can you imagine being the kid? Hey, your, your, your dad says, hey, go plow, plow the field because we've got a plant. Now, all of a sudden, the dad walks out of there and see, you know, sees the rows like this. And, and he calls me in, you know, like calls you in or whatever. says, hey, son, what happens? I have no idea. The dad knows, right? You got distracted. You know, I tell you at the end of every time, you look right there and you lead, you lead the animal right there. A lot of times that's what our rows look like in service for Christ is we're doing this. Why? Because we're distracted. We're so distracted. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 says, No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. 
What is that saying? Don't get distracted. When you serve God as a man that God can use, who are we to try to please? Who? From, from this. Who, who's our commanding officer? Sir, please him. Don't try to please me. Don't try to please the pastor. Try to please God. Notice what it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. It says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Isn't that an incredible thought? If you're going to serve God, there are a lot of things I can do. There are a lot of things I can do and serve God. If I want to as your pastor, I can just give you the business. But is that going to be good? Is that going to be constructive? I can just launch on everybody about everything I don't like in the church. Is that going to be constructive? No. It's not going to build anybody up. It's not going to encourage anybody. There are a lot of things I could do as your pastor that would not be positive and constructive. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There are a lot of things you can do as men of God. And you have every right. And you might have a legitimate beef. But you want to ask yourself the question, is it beneficial and is it constructive? Is it beneficial and is it constructive? And if it's not one of those two, then I'm going to encourage you, don't do it. Don't say it. Don't be it. Here, here's the next thing, and let's jump down to the next one. We'll skip Matthew chapter 16. Verse. Debt. Debt. D-E-B-T. Yes, debt. Finances were mentioned a while ago. Many people are in so in debt because of things they bought that they can't serve God. They can't give to God. They can't honor God. They can't. They can't. They just, they, they've got to be a slave to the next paycheck. And so that's why what a beautiful thing it is every year. Twice a year we do, we do Dave Ramsey's. Uh, and, and I always walk in there that first night, walk by, and I love seeing 50 or 60 people. And I always think that first night, I wonder how many are going to stay. Because it's, it's a tall order. It's a tough deal. But the reality of it is, here's what I've noticed. Most people stay in there. Because it doesn't take long to see positive financial fruit when we start making the right decisions in our lives. But a lot of times people can't serve God because of debt in their life. One of the, uh, in a previous ministry that I had um, at, a, at a previous church, uh, I had at one point half of my life group teachers, Sunday school teachers at the time, were seminary graduates. And, and nothing against a seminary because it's a great seminary. And, and half of my seminary, half, half of my teachers were seminary graduates. They had all graduated from DTS. And at some point, you, you know, you sit down and as you're recruiting them, you have a cup of coffee and you eat breakfast with them. I'll say, all right, you're, you're selling life insurance. One of them is still my life insurance agent. You're selling life insurance now. How, how did that happen? At one point, you had a call on your life. You went to seminary for four years and now you're doing this. You know what it had to do with? They got into debt. They had to go get a job. They had to get a job to pay the debt. Always thought they were going to go back in the ministry. Well, guess what? Once you get a job and you start making a certain amount of money, it's hard to go take that vow of poverty to go back from the beginning. And it all came down to that, is that finances wouldn't allow them to serve God. Now, let me tell you what. They're doing a great job as, as, as Sunday school teachers. Um, and, and, and they still are. They still are. 
But I, I wonder how many people have been called of God in the ministry, but they can't serve God in ministry because of a financial crisis in their life. But the reality of it is, you've heard me say this before, the answer for the church today is not for every man to leave their business and surrender ministry. But the answer for the church is for every man to lead their family to be financially on good sound setting, sound footing, so that they can support the ministry and they can serve in the ministry. Look at what Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, I talked about this uh, Sunday morning. Uh, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That word cannot, you know what, you know what that, mean, that means in the original Greek? It means you can't do it. It means you cannot do it. If you are serving money, I will promise you, you're not also serving God. And if you are truly serving God, you are not serving money. It's not a both end. It's an either or. Here's the final verse. We'll just stop here, and I'll, I'll, I'll come back to, to the next two, uh, next week. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20 says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp down theirs. Wise people store up choice food and olive oil, but the fool eats everything they have. And the sad thing about when, when, the, when Solomon wrote that, there wasn't such a thing as credit cards. There wasn't such a thing as, as debt like we see it today. You could have debt. So today, it is so easy. It is so easy. As my son and, and daughter are now, uh, my daughter's moving into her, her senior year in college next year. It's amazing the number of credit cards, pre-approved credit cards she's getting. She didn't even have a job yet. She, she didn't even have a job yet. So if, if that proverb was written today, said the wise store up choice food for difficult times, but the fool gulps up all they have. The fool, fool, takes out credit cards and runs those up more than they have because you can go up, up tomorrow's salary. Just a quick plug on Ben Ramsey, Monday through Friday, 8 to 11 on 1080-KRLD. That's right. Hey, let me pray for you guys. Lord, thanks so much for these guys. Thanks for Lewis being back and uh, just for the opportunity to, to be encouraged today as we talk about being a man that God uses. And So, Lord, let us leave here with these ideas in mind uh, that, that we, want to, uh, we want to sanctify our body. We want to set it apart to be used by God, to be used by you for your service. We want to be as healthy as we can and, and have our schedules as clean as we can and also live a life free of distractions and free of debt. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You guys have a great day. See you. Bye-bye.